Okay, we're then, folks, back in episode three of the Silly Goose Gang podcast. Uh, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Okay. Episode three. Episode 13, even. Did I say three? <laughs> Shamacha. Losing track of the time and everything. We're in lockdown. Who knows what episode we're on, what day we're on, or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 13 of the Silly Goose Gang podcast. Joining us today, we've got Johnny Payne, uh, owner of Painless Performance, a combat sports specialist, sports nutritionist, strength and conditioning coach for complete human performance. And he's happily joining us today for a bit of a chat. So welcome along, Johnny. Happily. Don't about I, don't, I was going to say, I, I, yeah. I can't remember anything, but I'm saying it's happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when have I ever been described as happy? In, in a, no, never. <laughs> he's, he's grumpily agreed to attend, and, uh, and, he, and he's sitting under, under duress, demanding pints and tea. What you've got to remember is, I've, I've, seen, I've seen Johnny getting medals twice at Naga, and he was a little bit more pleased than average. <laughs> <laughs> still, still wasn't happy. <laughs> Do you want to get a pint now? Uh, no, that, that makes me fucking happy. We know that much. <laughs> it's all oh, a pint. So there's two, th- there's two things I want to hear today. The two of are together. I want to hear Johnny's breaking his knee skateboarding story. And I want to hear Ali's dislocated hip story. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, are you, what are you doing? Are you planning a dislocation now and you want to get it right? Is that, is that, is that what's going on here? You need some tips? No, no, no. These, these are two stories I want to hear. I don't want to, I've heard them. I know what they are. But I think everybody else needs to hear them because they're ridiculous. I've dislocated. So have you not heard that? I, I've dislocated my hip and that was no fun. So, uh, yeah, let, let me hear about your hip then, uh, Ali. Okay. Well, it wasn't my hip. Um, it was easier for me to tell. Um, it goes back to when I used to I used to play rugby when I was younger, um, and I was at a, we were all well the team that I played at, at the time were over at a tournament in Kirkcaldy, um, SRU digital tournament going back to ninety three ninety four neck of the woods, and it was a a multi team tournament and we were due to play this team next. We were kind of pretending to scout them, so we all stood about watching them playing, talking shit about them. And uh, one of their guys, their um, winger, got tackled and fell to the ground screaming in absolute pain and agony. And his coach ran across, one of the, the first aiders that were there ran across, had a look up and decided that uh, he had dislocated his hip. So uh, the coach was like, it's fine, I'm, I'm a trained first aider, I know what I'm doing. Starts to manipulate the hip back into joint. Okay. The hip locks back in. Oh, also... <laughs> Go on, at which point, the young guy, bear in mind, this is, we were all probably about 13 to 15 year old. At this point, the guy kind of half sits up, coughs up blood, and passes out cold. So the first aider gets him on, they take him away to the hospital and all the rest of it. So later on, at the end of the tournament, we're all having like a, like a post-tournament dinner where all the teams get to sit and get fed and stuff. And little rumours start coming through. Obviously, this is well pre-internet days. Um, and basically what happened was, and it, we shouldn't be laughing because it's horrifically unfortunate, but the young kid, um, when he had fallen, basically his testicle had slipped out of his jockstrap support, whatever he was wearing. And when his coach said his, his testicle caught inside his hip joint, ruptured the testicle, and the... The reason he popped up blood is he ruptured, he ruptured his vocal cords screaming. 
And so basically, they, they got him to a hospital, had to re-dislocate his hip, emergency surgery to remove the ruptured testicle. And then obviously he was going to have to spend X amount of time in, in hospital. But that's probably one of the worst injuries I've ever seen. Because you know how sore it is to hit. Imagine your hip joint just crunching down on it. <laughs> when you, especially when you put it back in. It's got to be floating about here somewhere. Crap, fuck you. Yeah, that's exactly it. Basically, that's exactly what happened. It just slipped into the crease of his hat the way he was laid. And just bang. There we go. Fuck, man. But you, a hip coming out is, is painful enough without adding <laughs> insult to injury, man. I mean, that's how... My hips come out uh, once. It was really weird. Uh, and... and uh, I would say, in amongst all the injuries I've had, which are numerous, that's that was probably one of the worst pains. Fucking horrible! I can't imagine getting a getting a bollock trapped in there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, not thinking about it. Well, I can imagine it, uh, and I, and I wish I couldn't, because we've all been oh, man. all been kicked square in the nuts before, and, or, or had a nut trapped somehow, or pulled, or fucking whatever, and uh, I can't imagine oh. it clamped down by the fucking force of a hip. That's- Thanks for teeing that up, Chris, and thanks for sharing that. Yeah, exactly. But once it pops out, it kind of sucks back in as well. So it'd be... Yeah. (laughs) So that was the story. That was my story. That's amazing. I'm glad I'm I'm on here. I'm glad I'm I'm here to witness and listen to this fucking horror. (laughs) (laughs) My knee going... Uh, my, My skateboarding knee... Uh, it's nowhere near as gruesome as that, frankly. I had, uh, well, Chris knows I didn't even get on. So when people ask me what happened to the knee, usually they do one of a few things. They assume it was uh, some kind of flight accident. So I just leave them to think that because it's harder, isn't it? Or they assume if they know me a little bit that it's um, it was some kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Recalcitrant kind of background because uh, I, I was a bit of a baddie for a while. So, so maybe it happened in amongst all that. So I let them believe that. But the reality is it was a skateboarding accident, which isn't... I mean, it's, it's still, if, if you know enough about skateboarding, it's like, oh, fuck, that must have been sore. But at the same time, it's not quite as uh, quite quite as a hard man tale as, as, as people like to believe. And I didn't even get on the board. I, I, I was at a, a skateboard competition. I wasn't even skating. I was, I was just there to watch the competition. And one of my mates went down uh, and had them announce... I still don't know to this day why he did it this way, but he had them announce that Scottish, I was down in England at the time, that Scottish Johnny Fay Lanzarotti was going to do, was going to do a demo. I've never been to Lanzarotti in my life, but he's come down and spoke to them. And so up on the town, he goes, Scottish Johnny from Lanzarotti. Which makes no fucking sense. So I'm looking around as well as everybody else is for this fucking dude, Scottish Johnny from Lanzarotti, and it slowly dawned on me that that was me. So I had to put my can down. I wasn't drunk, and I wasn't drinking. I'd only just started drinking, so I was like, oh, fuck. Somebody handed me a bowl. And the way this uh, whole setup was, was there was a big bowl and a ramp, and all the rest of you haven't seen skate parks. And was, we were up on a kind of a hill, all the, all the audience. It was a big skate competition. And, uh, and I was sat at the top of the hill, right next to where there's a big fucking run down to a big flyover that would land you right into the bowl. So I was in prime position to start there. I didn't want to walk down in front of all these people and start up in the bottom, pushing and, and trying to remember how it was. Bear in mind, I hadn't skated by that point for about fucking five or six years anyway. So I jumped on the board. No, I didn't. I, I grabbed a hold of the board and I ran down the hill. And the idea in my mind was I was run down, fucking all the way down this hill, run up the flyover and leap into the air, 
throw the board under me and fucking land and skate away and it would be cool as fucking and I'd do a few tricks and then uh, and then go back to get my beer. So I did all the first part. I ran down, jumped in the air. This flyover was about six feet up anyway and I must have jumped about, I don't know, two, three feet. It was a good, good fucking run and jump I made. And the board never got anywhere near underneath my feet. So, <laughs> so I had a slow motion like you fucking hear. And I saw the ground kind of slowly fucking come towards me. And I landed. This is quite horrible. I landed with my leg straight, my left leg totally straight. So my shin went right through my knee. Oh. The whole thing exploded. And, and it exploded and twisted as well. So I kind of must have landed at a bit of an angle. So the whole thing twisted. So when... It, to jump forward uh, when they looked at it, it was a little bit like if you take a live tree branch and fucking snap it you know with all the bits that kind of spiral out from that so it was a fucking mess but the uh, uh at the side of the ramp i won best slam of the day so i got a big uh, i got a coat out of that they brought me brought me a coat and said well done so I fucking i need a i need a hospital and earlier on when you were talking about your 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 hip dislocation, you said there was a guy that popped up and said, I'm a first aider. Yes. <laughs> one of them skateboard competition. He said, I'm a first aider. So you ran up with one of these cold compresses, you know, you get them out of pack and they kind of freeze up quite quickly. And you just took that in the knee and said, that'll be all right now, I think, son. <laughs> I don't think it will be. We're fucking pointing backwards. And then the, and so the guy came rushing through from the back and said, uh, it's all right, I know what to do. Leave everybody aside. I'm looking up, in agony, I'm looking up one. Hopefully this guy's going to fucking put me in some kind of position, do something with it, and then we can get me to hospital. And he sat down beside me and he put his hands on my head. And he said, Lord, bring Jesus into this man's life to this man. Bring God back. He fucking went on. I had to fucking tap it. And eventually somebody took me to Upon it was uh, announced I would never walk again, funny enough, that, uh, and I did obviously, but that was that bad a break they said that to be done. No more walking, no more, uh, I, I was supposed to wear a little bit about this shoe on it, about that big, big gimpy shoe we called it. Uh, wheelchair for three months, um, it, was, it was fucking horrific. I had to wear a big Forrest Gump cage on my leg. Uh, anybody who's been through a break has been through something similar where they start at a straight angle and then for two weeks I'm allowed to put it to like a, a 10 degree and that's the amount of flexion I'm allowed and over the months I was allowed more and more and more until eventually uh, eventually I can I can fucking do lots of things now but uh, yeah that's pretty horrific that is, I agree that is pretty horrific there's no two ways about it fucking Jesus was <laughs> Jesus that reminds me of um, that reminds me years ago when you say that is, uh, you remember uh, Marvin Andrews that played for Wraith Rovers and then ended up playing for Rangers, Rangers. He needed. Um, he used to kick about. I think he still lives in Kirkcaldy, actually. He does. I lives he in needed, Kirkcaldy. Um, he needed. Uh, he needed ACL surgery, and he was adamant that he didn't because the Lord would heal him. I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, he won't. It's not going. He played. He played half a season with no ACL. He played half a season with no ACL. Do you remember Henrik? Uh, Lord. <laughs> Do you remember um, Henrik Larson's break? Uh, it was fucking yeah, horrific. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, my break was uh, apparently similar to that um, at the time, so we had a lot of kind of comparisons there. But there was a little bit more damage done the way it twisted and things. But it, that was a fucking horrific accident. Same kind of thing. It seemed to come down on it straight, and then it turned and twisted, didn't it? And it broke into yeah. itself or something. I'm surprised you fucking walked out. Yeah. Oh man, that's fucking horrible. Horrible. Luckily, I've not done any of that. I have done the. Uh, 
I've done a few other yeah. injuries. Talking about skating, I used to skate as well back in my much, much younger days. And uh, I put sure? my ankle. Skate or die. Skate or die. <laughs> I, uh, you, you have to show Johnny your, uh, your, long, your long ginger hair when you were a skater. Uh, I'll, show, I'll show you that off because it's on my phone. But it's, uh, all I'll say is you'll end, you'll end up ovulating. There's no two ways about it, Johnny. You'll end up ovulating. It's a ridiculous sport. But yeah, I popped my ankle, popped my knee a few times skating as well. It's just one of those occupational hazards, but nothing on the level. Nothing on the level that you did. I skated for years. and we, we uh, up, up in Thursday, where I'm from, uh, we got the, the Princess Trust came up and built us a big ramp. Uh, do you know, I don't know if you follow the skate scene at all, Clan skates over in Glasgow. Yeah, we're well, Colin Kennedy. Yeah, and, a, and a, another guy called, I can't remember Jamie's second name, but Jamie ran that with him. Uh, and they built a big thing out in Annie's Land, a big church uh, skate. That was a big uh, mecca for people all over Scotland. Anyway, they came up and they built ramps for us up in Scotland, or, or we built them with them. So we skated for years and years and years and, and never had any bad accidents, nothing at all. Uh, not even, not no breaks, just the usual bits of skin coming off and all the rest of it. Yeah. And then that one time, Five or so years later, and I insist I was not drunk. Fucking the worst skateboard nights, and I've I've heard anybody have. <laughs> I wasn't even on the fucking. <laughs> nope. uh, horrible, horrible. Like skating there though, Chris knows. I bought a, a, a re. Um, I got a board. Uh, did it up. Went out to Focus out in Edinburgh. Great shop. Uh, got it all set up. There's a skate park just down the road, uh, about 300 meters away from my house that I've been looking at for years, and. I've been skating a little bit, but it's like an old man skating there. I'm just kind of cruising the edges and moving around, and like like uh, an old Paolo Peralta kind of surf vibe I've got going on there, mostly because I'm scared. <laughs> what what he doesn't tell you, so Ali, what the, the, the party doesn't tell you is every time before he drops in, every, all he does is goes, it's Scottish Johnny to Lanzarote, and he jumps in. <laughs> I've got the kids announcing it now as well. They stand on the other side. <laughs> Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel's his hype man. I still love it. The, the um, again, well, I should keep, I shouldn't keep saying this because because there's going to be lots of things Chris will have heard before. But uh, a good friend of mine, Tommy, is a year ago, a couple of days ago, Tommy died, and and uh, when I'd been down the last time I saw Tommy. I'd been down to Cornwall to visit him, and he uh, he had a board. Uh, he had his board and he had a spare board, and he'd never stopped skating. Never a great skater, just loved skating, you know. And he took me to the top of a hill uh, and gave me a board and said, come on, we're going we're gonna to fucking bomb this hill, we're going to go down it. And, and uh, we just smoothed our way down the hill, and I shit myself. And he said, do it again, and we did it again. Second time around, I absolutely loved it. And he said to me at the time, he says, why aren't you still skating? And I said, well, there's this thing, there's that thing, and all the rest of it. And, and he said, uh, but you always loved skating. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I still love skating. I've just had the fucking best hour I've had in years, you know. And he said, uh, well, you should be skating then. And it was this back and forward conversation where he couldn't get it in his head at all why I wasn't doing something that brought me absolutely a, a shit ton of joy. And it was in that little moment, you know, and a few times I've had with Tommy, where I kind of thought, now why the fuck am I skating? You know, I've, I've got it in my head that I'm too old, you know, and I've got it in my head that it's a bit, you know, it's something that the kids do and I'm going to be laughed at going down my street. And he was kind of, every time I threw these excuses up, Tommy's just going, so fucking what? What do you care about what the fucking local guy that looks, if he thinks you look like a dick, you probably think he looks like a Just go for a skate, Johnny, you know? And slowly, as I've gotten a little bit further on into my decrepit years, uh, I'm starting to kind of really listen to that message, which is do, do what you love and stop fucking, you know, 
I'll be dead soon. Yeah. So why am I escaping? Most, most of the most of the sorry OGs and all the extreme sports are your age group anyway. Do you know what I mean? All, all those guys are, are mid forties. I think Tony Hawk's Tony Tony Hawk's fifty. Fifty something. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys are that generation anyway. And, you know they still skate. They're still putting Man, up in the skate. I saw a thing. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've seen this before with Tony Hawk. He he had the. Uh, what what do they call it in America when they go through the the checks at the the There's a, a name for it. Yeah, I was just going to talk the, about that. Yeah, through the TSA uh, stuff. TSA. That's it. So I don't know if if, if, if you know this little story, but he'd gone through. Yeah. The guy looked at his ID and went, oh, Tony Hawk, <laughs> wonder what he's doing. And Tony Hawk went, this. I remember Tony, he put, a, he, put a, he put a thing up on um, his Instagram a while ago and he was in a film. I can't remember the name of the film he was in. Now. Um, and it, was, it just came out at the time and he was getting on a plane and I think he must have been dressed like a skateboard and this, and this woman was being a complete, like he said, she was being a complete victim, you know, a woman. You know the you know the stereotypical cam who wants to speak to the manager, one of those types. Uh, and uh, she was in a negative, and he goes, "I was sitting behind her." And then the movie came on <laughs> with me in it, and you could kind of see her kind of going. <laughs> she just realised it. it was totally hot. It was in a film. It's quite funny. Um, these guys are absolute legends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, no, still, you, still come Matt Hoffman, I watched a little video of, I can't remember what his yeah. Instagram is, but you see him, you ping me bits and bobs now and again as well. Yeah, yeah. That's the same thing, kind of, okay, okay, I'm not going to fucking suddenly do what Matt Hoffman's doing or what Tony Hawk's doing, but the fact is these guys are still skating, they're not complaining about it, you know, I, I feel like, not that I'm, not that this is a big fucking problem for me or anything, but I do look back and think, why was I, why was I not on my board all the time? I, I kind of got it into my head that, that that was something that kids do, you know, and I gave that up now I've grown up. I, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember. I, I think I meant to send it. I might have meant to send it to both of these, and I didn't. But there was um, a Matt Hoffman, and he was on um, Rooftop uh, Rooftop Escamilla's podcast, and he was talking about the surgeries and stuff they'd done, and he got an ACL surgery done. I, I'd have to send you. It's unbelievable. The stuff that he's telling you is sitting going, holy shit! What like, like there was something about the surgery. I can't remember exactly. He got he got an ACL surgery before, but they couldn't do it the way they done it in America. The way they do it elsewhere. And he said, well, you know, if we keep you awake for the whole thing to prove that we can do it this way, we might be able to get like FD approval to do it this way or whatever, whatever the however they have to do it. So he's like, I was awake while they're doing the ACL uh, surgery on me. And you're like, what the fuck? Just I didn't even know that was. He used to leave his foot. Well, this was like early nineties before I don't know. I don't, but he's telling you the story. You know, he used to leave. He used to leave his like a, a phone in the middle of like his um his half pipe. So if he landed, if he, he crashed, he would always land roughly <laughs> in the middle of the ramp. So he kind of shuffle his way to there to phone. He just goes, what the fuck, man? What an absolute savage of a man. I mean, that's crazy stuff. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, really, really good. Safety really podcast. <laughs> yeah, so he did, he would leave a phone right in the middle so he could always crawl. Because he, he said a couple of times he had went out and he'd wake up and go, oh, fuck, and he couldn't use his legs. It's like you can try to, try to, try to shuffle his You know, he's okay. left a phone. It's just, that was a really good podcast. So, um, but I, so, yeah, amazing life. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Hoffman and Tony Hawk, all those boys were legends, eh? Or are legends? We're saying where that they still are. It's a fair point, though. You know, I mean, I kind of jacked in. I used to surf as well and kind of gave all that up. I used to skate, and then you just go and I'm, I'm old now and I stopped doing it, eh? Partly because my knees and ankles fell apart with the skating, but. 
the surfing's always got that wee niggle in the back of my head. It's been a long time since I've been on a board. I don't have the floor. I'd love to watch Love to learn it. Did you ever see the Under an Arctic Sky documentary on Netflix? Yeah. Netflix? Fucking amazing, man. So cool. So cool. Like, I was in Surfing Thursday, the Northern Lights. Amazing. Wait, I don't know if you know of uh, Thurzo, Ali. Uh, I used to surf in Thurzo a lot. I used to go up to Thurzo all the time surfing, yeah. You'll know then, that's a huge surfing community. In fact, it's a big surfing mecca. People come from all over the world to go there. So I kind of grew up. Funny enough, I didn't surf. I tried it once. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a second, but uh, the the, uh, the whole scene up there was was surfing and then skating as well because obviously that's kind of a yeah. the, the kind of a, a brotherly fucking love there between surfers and skaters. It's very yeah. similar kind of lifestyles, no, but was... surfing was a huge thing up there. So I kind of grew yeah. up in, in in that environment. Uh, I but, went up there. Thorzo was where I um, it was. I went up there one Christmas holidays. With all the guys who used to surf, and it was back when, as Chris mentioned, my my flowing ginger locks. Just because I know you've not seen the picture, Johnny, but if you imagine Slash from Guns N' Roses, but ginger, that gives you an idea what my hair looked like. Have you, have you said to some, have you said to somebody, right, throw a Scottish person with a Drew Alley? <laughs> that's what it looked like but um, I had really long hair at the time when I was surfing and we had gone up and it was as it is in Scotland in December fucking freezing and uh, part of my hair actually froze froze solid and snapped it was that <laughs> I'm, cold. I'm not the least bit surprised there was a BBC documentary once a guy called Pat whose surname escapes me now Just he was one of the older guys that, that surfed up there so he'd be like me me to the kids now he's probably not old at all he was in his early 40s and and uh, the BBC interviewed him live, uh, coming out of the water, and said to him, uh, so, you know, it's very, very cold here, uh, Pat. You know, you guys are out surfing all day long. I see you've got a wetsuit on, but how do you keep warm? And he says, ah, just have a wee piss now and again. That was before they had a little kind of lead where they could jump and edit it out, and it just went live on TV. We crease for a month. Ah, just have a wee piss now and again. <laughs> oh, man. It's actually surprisingly. I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a surprisingly hard talent to do that. It's having a pee in a wetsuit. As you're, you're, if you've ever done a triathlon or a movie, Ali, you've done this when you're surfing, and sometimes you just have to go. <laughs> it's surprisingly hard to pee in a wetsuit. Uh, all your instincts say, "Don't piss in your clothes," don't they? And then you kind of, <laughs> you kind of go to let it out, and it, it won't come. And I say, oh, I have to breathe and relax. So maybe they should teach that uh, in amongst the open water swimming techniques and things. <laughs> Today we're going to learn breathing techniques for pissing yourself. I've never seen that. I've never seen that in any Wim Hof uh, instructionals, to be honest with you. Breathe <laughs> <laughs> right, breath. Breathe in, uh, and now we piss and breathe out. It would have done a lot better, to be fair. Yeah, well, I, I would buy it. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. So how, tell us, you said you, you tried surfing once and it sounded like there was a hint of a story in the back there, Johnny. No, nothing, man. It just wasn't for me. I just, I didn't like the, the, the fucking cold. Do you know what I did, didn't like was getting ready for it and then fucking getting out afterwards. We had to rip a wetsuit off down the beach and all that kind of stuff. It all just seemed, it's a little bit like uh, you've got kids, Ali. When you go to the, when you, go, when you take them swimming. Yeah. And you get you get your time in the pool, and that's fine. But that's this amount of time. This amount of time spent getting them in the fucking thing, getting changed and all the rest of it. This amount of time in the pool, and this amount getting dried, and everybody's cold and fucking, your clothes stick to you, and you can't get your socks on properly. And it was that experience for surfing the movie. Like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll stick to skateboard. Although, uh, the first time I went in, 
not dissimilar to the Kelpin story, actually. The first time I went in, you, you, you know, you're, you're walking, don't you? You walk into the water and then you kind of paddle yeah. out to find the bigger wave. So obviously I'm walking in with this board and there's a little bit of a kind of, well, do I get on it and paddle or can I still feel the water? How, how deep am I? So I, I decided that this was the point at which I was going to get on the board, took it to chuck it over the next oncoming wave and I was going to dive through then get on it. And the wave kind of went, ah, fuck you. Caught a hold of the board and threw it right back at me. Obviously, I'm tied to it. You've got it tied to your ankle. So I got fucking yep. knocked back. Not, not unconsciously, but knocked back into that wave and I got caught on the underflow of it, twirled around about four or five times and spat out the other side. I wasn't hurt and I wasn't kind of freaked out or traumatised or anything, but it was one of those like, why the fuck would I be doing this? This is bullshit. I'm, I'm going for a pint. <laughs> I was about 12, so I had a drinking habit by that point. <laughs> we had, uh, I went, just, just to talk surfing just for a wee bit, we, we and um, some friends were down in uh, the south coast of Portugal, down that kind of neck where you get like, not Nazare with its ridiculous biblical waves, but not a million miles away from Nazare as the kind of Atlantic comes up, you get some good swells. And we were down there. And they get a lot of uh, shark sightings because it's they come up on the Gulf Stream. So they have shark towers up on the beach. And um, we, we didn't realise that at first. We just thought they were lifeguard posts. So the lifeguards were like really elevated so they could see all the water. And it was only when we were talking to the locals later on, they said, no, it's um, shark towers because you get a lot of sharks at certain times of the year. They come up through the Bay of Biscay and up into this kind of neck of the woods. So made it all a little bit tense as you're going to paddle yeah, yeah. And uh, genuinely, we were sat, me and my pal Easty, were sat off the back of the break. We paddled off the waves to like the, the deep water just to sit and chat. And lo and behold, boom, big rush of water, probably about eight, ten feet away. What looked like about an eight, nine foot great white shark just cruised up alongside us and then disappeared. At which point the alarm went because the guy up on the tower obviously seen it, hits the alarm. People are screaming, running out the water. Me and Easter are like, what the fuck are you screaming for? It's fucking here, it's fucking there. Like that total mad panic. Paddling yeah. them with our fingertips. We made it and nothing happened. And then we went out surfing the next morning. Um, and it was kind of still no, gone. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. Why? No, no, no. Why? You just get a fucking shark, you moron. Why would you go back at that? That's the point where you lift your, you put your surfboard up for sale and go, fuck that, man. Nope. No, 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 no. So we went out, we went out, and it was quite, it was still like, it was that dawn where it wasn't quite light, but not quite dark, kind of neck of the wood. So we'd all gone out and we were spread out along the, the break, and we were all tense, because as you say, Chris, we had seen a shark. So we were all a little bit nervous, and there was nobody up in the shark tower, because the beach wasn't officially open. And then all I heard was my friend Easter, who'd been out on the break with me, about two people to my left, let out this blood-curdling scream. Um, like, my heart fell out my arse, like, proper panic. And then I heard laughing, and my pal Stu, who was like three people the other side, had swam underwater and grabbed Easty's leg. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And that was oh, what the panic man. was. Easty panicked, and then obviously did that. Oh, it's funny, I was, I was okay, I didn't really shit myself. <laughs> half laughing, half crying. As he gets his thing, yeah. Yeah, thinking he'd be bit by a shark. But yeah. Just one of those things that just, no, no. I'm not, the sea's a terrible, it's a fucking terrifying thing. Yeah. I'm always, always terrified of the sea. Fuck that, man. If I've seen a shark, there's no way I'd ever go in the water. If I touch seaweed, I'd take about three months to go back in the sea. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know about that, like. Was it? Was it seaweed? Was it a big eel? Fuck that, man. No way. Yeah, yeah I'm going no with you, man. Big eels in the fourth, yeah. like you could be diving. Big congers and stuff, eh? Hmm. We used to, used to go. Uh, uh, we lived uh, next to the Clyde uh, in Helensburgh for four or five years. My dad worked at Faslane. 
And we used to go out there in canoes and canoe out and catch eels and things like that. You could catch them quite easily out by the sugar boat. We talked about surfing. He would know when the uh, when the tridents were coming up. You know, they come out of that little bay where, where they're, where they're yeah, situated yeah. Uh, in Fasling, and they come out and they surface, and then they drop back down again. And they go into the deep. That's how, that's how they, they play it. So if you know when they're coming out, which obviously isn't announced because it's a military operation, but if you know when they're coming out, which my dad did. You can go out far enough and catch the break off the back of a Trident submarine and surf your, surf your canoe back in, which is, when you think about it, that's, that's quite a cool thing to, to, to be able to do. Is to, we canoe down onto the side and surf the waves of a Trident nuclear submarine every so often. So, <laughs> that's, that's just what we did. That's just what we did, don't we? <laughs> 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 get it right, uh, we sat up on the fucking Trident when it comes back down. Uh, <laughs> you, you open water... Swim though, Chris. Do you not for your triathlon? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's okay then. Think how fast it would make you swim if you saw a shark. <laughs> well, it'd be something to make me faster. But now you see, um, in the Kelman, as Johnny was talking about earlier on, you you, you swim through a lot of jellyfish, and the, it's freaky to begin with. But the, towards the end, when you're getting tired, you just smash through them, and you don't get that. It's not so bad because you've got gloves and stuff on. I had a full face mask on, so. But um, no, I don't. Yeah, there's have been a few times when I've got my foot caught in like a net or something in, in Loco. You'll catch you, you'll catch a bit of net or something. You go, oh, the fucking hell's that? And it takes you to bad to the beginning and take ten minutes and go. Was that just a piece of netting? Could be a shark. What if long <laughs> monsters got relatives? You know what I mean? A shark. A shark. <laughs> How did it get? <laughs> but do you? But do you? But do you know that there's no sharks in there? <laughs> Pretty much. You don't know. You don't, don't know everything. Don't know everything. <laughs> it's uh, uh, do you know, this, uh, open water swimming is good fun, but yeah, there's, there's, yeah, it's still a bit weird when you touch things. You do touch things for time to time. Go, oh, I didn't like that. But you can't. Yeah. You know, you just have to keep moving, obviously. But um, unless uh, you when you just swim out fifty meters and then come back very fast and just sit there and go, no, <laughs> fuck it, I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, no point. Not doing nope. this anymore, this is fucking stupid. Still traumatised, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think, um, I've genuinely always loved to see you. I think, um, from what I've seen, I've seen uh, it must be true, because I've seen it on Facebook, that um, the I think we're allowed to swim in, in logs again. Well, I don't know, I don't know. I, I know that the laws uh, and the rules have been softened or changed, so to speak, down in England, but I don't know that we've got the same privileges here. I think uh, oh, sure you can open water swim now down in down in England. I know I saw Ross Edgley post up about getting his wetsuit on and going back out again, and there's a few other folk doing the same thing. But um, I don't think we have that privilege yet. Because I know there's, um, it's still at this minute. It's still um, there's still two triathlons later in the year. Avi Moore triathlon still scheduled that September, and Craig Island added. That's a fun one. That's in October. They're both still scheduled, and is that Loch uh, the Loch Lomond aqua weekend whatever you know you can do loads of different swims that's still scheduled to happen at the end of august so it's cool to get since nothing else is happening it's cool to get and do something something uh, one of those swims or both those triathlons yeah. or something but we just, need to be able to get in, in, in a walk first i don't know maybe yeah. a little bit like a lot of other things where they're just holding off to find out what they what they can do i don't know the um there was some hint that the glencoe skyline which which i'm scheduled to do uh i think that's off and that's that's scheduled for september so that's, I mean, people oh, appreciate yeah. back as far back as that. 
Um, that's, is that cancelled? I, I no, uh, it's, it's not cancelled, but they sent her an email to say something along the lines of, well, we're, we're taking it under um, under adv advisement at the moment. And, and it just felt a little bit like they were saying, <coughs> excuse me, it's saying don't book your accommodation just yet, that kind of thing, you know, yeah, which then causes yeah. its own problems, doesn't it? Because later on, if they say, yeah, it's still on and they've given you a month's notice, how are you going to get accommodation? Yeah. It becomes a bit of a free-for-all. So I've all, all but kind of cancelled these things in my mind I think I've um, suppose, I've not I've not had an email about that I'm supposed to be doing the, I said I would do the you know the 18k one Is it the three meals three meals race I think it's called right uh, Danny's doing that Danny's doing that so I said I would do it with him and I'll just run right, behind okay. him to make sure that he's everything's fine so I'm, I'm going up that weekend again uh, but I've not had an email I've not I've not seen anything unless it's I don't know it's, but yes, I find these things in the junk emails now and again seems like Globetrotters one but the um the, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, the, the bottom line is anybody at all who would listen to this got this far and then thinks, oh, I'll take Johnny's advice is a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> Talk, talking about him. morons, I saw you were spreading dangerous misinformation that Bill Gates isn't responsible for COVID-19 this morning, Johnny. <laughs> I was just suggesting that he may not Wait. have been, don't, don't quote me on that. Wait. <laughs> what did you just say? Like, 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 not Bill Gates. Like, I'm well, I'll, 5G I'll be <laughs> um, this is actually this is actually a 5G amplification device. Um, I'm trying to spread COVID in my house. That's what this this is for. That is that is Bill Gates. <laughs> that is Bill Gates. Sorry, Walt Disney's head. Um, I know it's, uh, it's a crazy crazy time, but um, someone think, someone uh, brought me a cup of tea. Does that happen for you guys? No. Okay. Too bad. I had to make more one and bring it with me. I did that to start with, but I made an order for another half an hour. In half an hour, bring me more tea. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, and if there's yeah, any hint of me having said order gets past the door that's behind me there, I'm, I'm fucking for it now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I have my, my Mont Blanc Marathon cups. Do either one of you have any of those? No. So, are, they, are they props or do you have anything? Is this like like a Letterman where they have the, the you know there's nothing in the cup and all that kind of stuff? Is it? No, I've, I've, dr I've already drank. I've already drank the water. Oh, okay. Ah, I've drank the water. There's nothing there. Pointless. Uh, I drank the water, but um, no, I just like to drink it with them because I never use them for anything else. And this is just to make me look more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. That's all that is. I'll bring my guitar into view. And, uh, and make out that I'm a musician. Does that does that help? Yeah. No. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I drop it. That was a bad idea. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I were um, we're supposed to have Fergus on. Fergus is um, Fergus is uh, internet's not working. So we're going to get him back on next week. Probably probably with you at some point to talk about his his uh, craziness. Um, exploits, exploits. Yeah, he's he's, 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 he's somewhere. Mad stuff, eh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's doing he's doing what is within his wheelhouse now. <clears throat> I think some of the things that we, we, we had him do, uh, like that 49-hour cycle the other week there, it was more of a test. That you, you're not going to say that publicly so much as I mean, he used it as an opportunity for um, mental health awareness again, which is awesome. But uh, for the most part, that was a kind of a testing the, the water's to see what would happen to him, how he'd feel after a certain amount of time, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and just kind of, it's an opportunity whilst we're on lockdown to to kind of push him towards exhaustion and and see with these things uh, 
Chris will know, you'll know, you'll know, you'll know even from BJJ as well. Um, there's a little bit of a mental game goes on, and unless you pressure test that, unless you try that, and you and you push yourself, you're never going to fucking know. So if a lot of his exploits over the next year are kind of pushing that endurance boundary further and further, we need to know how he's going to cope with that. And honestly, there's no real way to know that until you kind of dive in and do it. Yeah. Are you doing any kind of testing protocols to get there, or during the event testing protocols, or how are you sort of monitoring how he's coping? Well, uh, talking to him, I mean, from, from a mental health perspective or mental health uh, in terms of how he is in his own self rather than a campaign, uh, it's just talking, you know, you need to make sure during those things we were talking before we started recording here, he had live broadcasts where he had people come on and talk about their interest in whatever they were doing. And uh, and I came on and had some conversations, but really that was for him in order to keep conversations going to keep his, keep himself mentally stimulated. So. And for me, it was an opportunity to check in and see how he was interacting with those guests and I can see whether his brain's working right or not. But for the most part, that's just a conversational thing. There's not really many protocols that you can put in place. You, you couldn't do a kind of a happiness questionnaire <laughs> throughout it, but it's, uh, it's just keeping him sharp, you know, making sure he's okay. You can tell uh, when you know somebody well enough, and, and really any athlete, uh, you'll know yourself, you can tell in their physicality whether something's gone kind of badly wrong. I mean, if he was kind of hanging slumped on his bike and whatever, you'd have to say, there's a big problem here. Um, and ultimately, there was a physical problem in the end that, that made it stop early. And because we were on top of that, talking all the time and communicating it, which isn't a luxury you would get on, a, on, a, on an endurance event all the time, yeah, yeah. we were able to th- then say to him, just just pull out, just stop. There's nothing to be gained here. And, and uh, he did so before his hamstring got torn off. And, that, and he's all good now. Yeah, so. I, I, thought, um, I thought he would have, because you know it happened quite early. So when I was watching it, you know, seeing his hamstring was starting to go in grief, I thought he might have aimed twenty four hours. I thought he would have in his head. Said, Let's get to twenty four hours and call it a twenty four. That's a nice number. But yeah. he obviously kept kept going beyond that. Yeah, what what he what he had in mind were were distance numbers. In actual fact, it was a case of right. I'll get to four hundred and fifty k, or I'll get to five hundred k on the bike. He was doing a, a swift uh, ride, and and obviously that kind of, the, the power meters and things that he has track that distance really well. So he gave himself targets. But again, the targets there were only uh, in order to keep him motivated. The reality was we were com- having conversations on the phone. He was texting me back and forth. And, I gave him, uh, I'd kind of announced here to, to my wife, uh, to Ashley, I'm giving him half an hour. Fuck it, you know. And it's a difficult choice for me to make because he's got all these, I mean, he's got thousands upon thousands of followers now and links into other people with hundreds of thousands of followers who are then setting up. So it's a very sort of large exposure he got from it. And, and the pressure on me in the background, not, not that I'm, I'm crying about it or anything, is at a certain point, I'm having to say to myself, I'm giving this kid half an hour and then I'm going to say, get off the fucking bike. And Fergus is a great athlete to listen to that. But if he didn't want to, then there's a kind of a shit, did I do that too early, you know? And ultimately, you've got to make the right choice. Luckily for me, yeah. I gave him that half hour in my head and, and 10 minutes later, he texts me to say, I've come off the bike and that's me done. So obviously thinking in the same lines. And we'd, we'd had a chat up to that point where it was a case of, you know, we're going to really have to take this every five minutes, every 10 minutes, check in, see how you're getting on, you know? So, yeah. It's part of coaching, isn't it? Sorry, I was going to say it's part of coaching and just being aware of what your athlete can cope with, what stage they're at, you know, when you ultimately have to make the 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 stop decision on, you know, for the benefit of the athlete rather than any ego or anything else aside or, as Chris was saying, we'll get to this point, we'll get to that point if you know your athlete well enough as a coach and you have that relationship where 
the, yeah. the athlete knows you're not doing it just for the sake of doing it, it probably makes it an easier decision overall for both of you, both for yourself and for Fergus. It, it does, mate. Yeah, it's 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 a useful dynamic to have. I mean, you don't have to be pals with every single one of them either. If they if they trust in the coaching, uh, then you're able to see this this has to stop now. Then they, they trust that you have made that decision for sensible reasons. Somebody like Fergus is really switched on uh, to that kind of stuff now anyway. So he was able to communicate real well to me how he felt without me trying to have to read between the lines or anything, which is fucking awesome for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a luxury as well because when I've done things, as Chris knows, we can talk about this if you want, when, when I've hurt myself, I've made some conscious decisions to continue through pain and all the rest of it. But, but being very switched on, maybe the, the knowledge that I've got and a certain understanding of myself, I've still, despite people thinking, fuck, that's mad, that was a ridiculous thing that he did, or, or even thinking what I did on those occasions was irresponsible, I've made responsible decisions and made sure that I follow through on them. So I kind of know that bite point as well. And there is a certain point where you can say to yourself, no, carrying on is okay. I'm in pain, but it's more of discomfort, or I'm in pain and I can, I can handle this for a certain amount of time, as opposed to what we ended up with Fergus was... I'm in pain, and I think this could make this this could go badly wrong. Quite so, he, he had a hamstring problem, and it was niggling every time he flexed. It pulled and it pulled and it pulled, and it was so painful he was riding on one leg for a while. And the fear was that at some point he might actually rip that off the well, pull it away from the bone a little bit and yeah. cause himself a permanent injury. In which case, there is no real question, is there? It's just like get off the fucking bike. You know, you're not yeah. you're not trying to. It wasn't even an event. It was a choice, a voluntary thing that he did. You know, so. Yeah, I think if you had, you know, if, if there was a million, you know, if there was a million pound at stake, I'm pretty sure Fergus would have gone to yeah. 14 hours. But there was nothing at stake. It's just something to test yourself, and it's, at that point, it's just dumb. Just go off and and, and rest up, come yeah. back again. That's a good point as well, though, because because there's certain, I mean, from a coaching perspective, there's certain things that if it was an event uh, and you had that drive to say, "Fuck it, I'm going to push through," which, like I say, I've done, then you've got to have people that are able to say to you. No, you're 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 a fucking danger to yourself now. You know that that's that's a great luxury to have if you've got a coaching team that are able to do that. Because quite often people don't have a coach and they do these events. They get so far in and then they just think, no, I said I'll do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna bully through. I'm gonna keep doing it, which is what I did on the spine, and I I shouldn't have done that. And uh, if I'd had somebody in my ear, which again probably in that circumstance would have been impossible, I probably, frankly, maybe wouldn't have started that race, but certainly would have stopped a lot sooner than I, than I had done. So I can see from a personal perspective that having that voice in your ear saying you're, you're done would be would be pretty fucking awesome. I, I think, uh, yeah, I'd like it. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, I think I think the thing is, and you know, I don't think you've done any kind of mad endurance stuff as yet, Ali. But um, obviously, I've done I've done a couple of things, and, and Johnny's done some. Unless you've been in the situation where it's it's a long day, you've been up since the crack of dawn and you're tired. A lot of people aren't in a position to even question what, you know, how he feels, you know, because there comes a point, I think, where when you say to somebody, I'm cycling for 49 hours, it just becomes, it doesn't mean anything to somebody because unless I've done, you know, five hours on a bike, 10 hours yeah. on a bike, it becomes, it's like saying somebody's worth a trillion quid. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What Too abstract, isn't it? Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, where people will say, uh, a couple of people recently have said to me, you know, they've bought a bike and they've been like, I've done, done 45 minutes, my arse is killing me. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah it gets hard. <laughs> it's not easy, unless you've done something of a reasonable distance. <clears throat> um, 
you don't really have any idea of how it feels to be 30 hours deep on a fucked hamstring. So to, to get to get to that stage is, is incredible. Um, yeah. And I think that's why probably Fergus will, will become, you know, he's becoming more popular and more well thought of in, uh, in that circle is because the people that know, know, you know, what he's doing is crazy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, I think he's, 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 sorry. Go on, you go, Johnny. I'm just going to say, there's a, it's an interesting thing, all that. To me, anyway, uh, I make these jokes about myself, but there's a reality to it as well, is that I kind of uh, fall into this kind of old guard category where I don't really, I don't do Instagram very well. You know, I don't know how to build those followers. I don't really know how, a lot about marketing and stuff. Everything that I've done, I've done. It's been kind of warm. Uh, and, and I like it that way. It's or, organic. But that's an interesting thing that goes along with that kind of stuff, is that if you have the capacity, the intelligence, and, and, and the, the savvy, let's say, to build up an Instagram or, or like this, to build up a podcast and, and, and promote it through the right channels and all the rest of it, then you're going to do well. But then with that comes the responsibility to those people. And with that comes a strange kind of feedback responsibility, it seems, where events are then chosen and things are chosen. I'm going to do this thing because it, because it feeds the Instagram channel well, because it feeds the marketplace well, as opposed to choosing something mm. that might actually be difficult or choosing you know what i'm trying to say so, and i think fergus is managing to kind of circumnavigate all that kind of stuff quite well where he's actually doing things he's attaching it to to an intelligent campaign that he feels a lot about uh, but he's not doing stupid things for stupid sake to get attention you know people will do fucking mad stuff in order to get that kind of viral hit on youtube and i think that there's, mm. there's a problem I, I see a problem in that and then it comes back to <clears throat> it just comes right back full circle then to to what tommy said diego why aren't you doing it if you like it you know, you end up doing these things because it. I think this will get a lot of hits on YouTube. Yeah, but if you don't yeah. like doing it, well, I've had that conversation, mate. On the flip, that, that the flip side of that conversation is the same. Hit the nail on the head there. Is what Tommy said to me was a real driver for me and has been for years now. Is this, you know, if you love it, why aren't you doing it? It's, and it's like, yeah, fucking, that's so bloody obvious. Why the fuck aren't you doing it? But the flip side of that is, if you don't like it, why the fuck are you doing it? You know, I've had people uh, uh, in the gym uh, training and fucking arguing and, and kicking barbells about the place and shouting their way through through um, sessions and texting later on, this is a lot of shit, I don't know why I have to do this lift and that lift and all the rest of it. And you're like, listen, you're the fucker that wants to be a powerlifter or a weightlifter or whatever, whatever the thing might be, you know, and, and I'm sitting in the back going, you know, if you don't enjoy weightlifting, you know, and you don't enjoy if it makes you unhappy and, and aggressive, and and what's the word, uh, uh, anxious all the time, fucking do crocheting or take up knitting or or, or or something else, you know, get into Sudoku or, or whatever, you know, do something that actually you can come away from going, I love that, and it might just be reading books for fuck's sake. Everybody seems to want, and this is the Instagram thing. Everybody seems to want to do something that captures people's attention, all the rest of it. And, and what's lost is doing something that actually a feeds your soul a little bit and be frankly and, and and i feel this way a little it actually helps those people around you you know even if it's just a case of spreading your own happiness rather than doing community service or something you know if you're a good happy guy you've fulfilled you, your kids are happier the people around you want to be around you and all the rest of it then you kind of spread that happiness that way if you're fed up because you've nailed your fucking flag to to, to you know you've, you've pinned yourself to to an event that's taking up all your time, taking up all your energy. You don't even fucking like it. Then you're a, you're a moron, you know, in my mind. Or at least you're, you're misguided. It's probably a fair way to say that. But I see it a lot. Yeah. 
one of the, well, what's what's quite funny though is um, I think which lies outside of that is the amount of times and you know this yourself, uh, Johnny. Is how many times you've been doing something. Um, yeah, I know for I know I know for, I know for, <laughs> I know for definite you know the, the Keltman cycles one of those things where at the time there was a point where you wanted to throw your bike off the cliff into the sea. Oh, it's fucking uh, disgusting! <laughs> I had it over my head. But, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> You will come once you get back to the finish line. Once you cross the finish line, you've had the night to sleep on it. You do then go. What's next? But at the time, you know, you, go, I, I, you know, I think I can't. I can't think of a time where I've done something. It's, it's, you know, the more challenging stuff where you've not been at some point going. I, I'm finishing this and that's fucking it. I'm oh, not yeah. doing any of this shit again. No, never again. And then you finish it and you go. What can I do next? What's the next one? What can I do? You know what I mean? So there's different. You know, yeah. that's like the sitting yeah. outside of that stuff, but. Well, yeah, you do get pissed off, it? So that's another thing that, that, that uh, this this is grumpy Johnny again coming coming back. That's another thing that kind of pisses me off a little bit. Is that so? Going back to what I said about the uh, uh, attaching yourself to something that you feel passionate about, it would be naive to think like like you just said, Chris. It'd be naive to think that you're always going to fucking love it. You know, you're always going to enjoy everyone. Jujitsu is a great example. You know, you're going. We all all three of us love jujitsu, and a lot of people watching this, you've had some great guests on. Uh, they'll all agree. That every single jiu-jitsu session isn't going to be a session that you're going to come away from thinking that was fucking excellent. There's going to be something you're going to come away from thinking, "I'm so shit at this. I fucking hurt. I don't know why I bother." You know all that kind of stuff. So then there's a little bit of mental discipline has to kick in where you have to remind yourself what your what your reasons are, what you, what the why is, and all, all that kind of stuff. And the same happens during these big races, is where you mm-hmm. you say, "I found myself on top of that mountain on a bike. I'd just about fucking given up all hope." had the bike, like I've said a few times, literally over my head, and I went to launch it, and then kind of thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, all the training, all the time, all this fucking pain to get to the top of this particular hill, and you're going to fuck it off, you're going to literally fuck the bike off right now. No, get through it, get through it, and like you said, by the end of it, you're like, fuck, I'm glad I did that, that was a challenge, I beat, but I can't yeah. say I enjoyed a lot of it, <laughs> but I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed the achievement and, and all the rest of it, but there could have been a point more, more. Through all that stuff, where, one, where you have to ask questions of yourself, that's important. One of the um, one of the the coolest points, I remember cleaning. You you know because you've done it as well. Is the last the claim to the last Monroe on the Ring of Steel, hmm. and the day I done it last year was um, red hot, really warm. Well, for Scotland, then it was twenty four degrees or something, and there was yeah. no you know you know there's no water. So if you want to get water, you can have to deviate from the course to find a fresh stream to get fill your water bottles and yeah. stuff. So I had no water. Matt, you know when your lips start sticking together and all this kind of stuff. Cotton mouth. Dehydrated. And it's coming out, yeah, exactly, cotton mouth. So I was coming up the last Monroe and thinking, and it was three steps forward, stop. And three, just and there was a group of six, eight of us all kind of together. Kind of everybody was kind of sticking together at that point, making sure everybody else is okay. Got to the top one, this is fucking horrific. Absolutely horrific. But by that point, when we got to the top of the Monroe, and you know, you kind of, you run kind of over the top and then you come down back in towards kind of leaving us there just as we got to the top of it the sun was coming down and I've, I've, I've posted the picture everywhere and I took a, a, a panoramic picture with the sun coming down over all the hills in Scotland it's absolutely the best picture I've ever taken in my life so you, you go from that's fucking horrible fuck this fuck everything I can't find water I'm going to die I'm not sure if I'm going to make this and then you get to the top and you just go holy shit yeah, this yeah, is unbelievable yeah. Unbelievable! It's the best picture I've ever taken in my life. So, so those kind of roller coaster yeah. points of doing this kind of stuff. It's, um, that was a, that was a cool. That's a, that's a pretty special race. Actually, it's one yeah, that uh, people people should try. Climbing those yeah. mountains and, and, and the, the Ring of Steel is a good example. Glencoe Skyline, another one. 
I don't think there's any better illustration of what we're discussing now than actually getting to what you've done it perfectly there is to get to the top of that mountain because all the work, all the fucking hard work, the effort, the, the foot after foot, the, the climbing, the pushing against muscles that are screaming, fuck this. And there's a way out. You could just go around the glen and fucking walk out the back of it, you know, all that. But then the payback comes when you get to the very top you get to, and you get that view, mm. which you could not possibly have seen through any other means than putting in that personal physical effort. So you cannot see yeah. those views that you can see at the top of a mountain unless you've paid for them in graft. And, and a little bit of mental graft as well, maybe a lot, depending on where you are in a race like that. Yeah. So you, you you bought it with your with your with your with your power, with your discipline, with your belief in self. You get to the top. So it's not just a view; it's your view that you earn by by pushing yourself. And I, I think that yeah. that's a massively useful metaphor for all these things. You know, that there's something that you'll get at the end of it that you can't get anywhere else. And uh, and if, yeah. if you if you're there for the right reasons, you'll get there eventually. You know, so that's a kind yeah, of nice, yeah. nice sort of life lesson as well, isn't it? Hundred percent. I was listening to um, just before this podcast, listening to a, a podcast with Josh Bridges. He's a CrossFit, top yeah, level yeah, CrossFit yeah. guy. But he's oh, also ex Navy SEAL. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Navy SEAL. And he was talking about that with a mindset. And he was saying, like, you know, how they always talk in the SEALs about Hell Week, where they just yeah, test yeah. them continually for seven days. But he was actually saying that any of the individual evolutions or the little periods are not that challenging individually. But when yeah. you cram them all together with a sleep deprivation, and he said it's they were saying like, how do you keep going? He says there's times where in CrossFit competition or during the seals or during operations, where kind of like you were saying, Chris, it was like I'm just gonna go three more steps, yeah, and that's my goal. That's my immediate goal just now, three more steps. Yeah. And if I succeed that, I set up another goal of three more steps, or yeah. you know, one more rep, or you know, whatever it might be. Um, which which ties into all that, isn't it? It's just that mindset of that's, that's you know, think, keep moving. Well, well, it's one of the things I was going to say that ties into this, and it, it's about you actually. Is we went to after Johnny got kicked in the head at the Keltman and, and got fished out and dragged back to um, yeah. back to the, uh, the start the finish line. Sorry, the, the swim. We went into to Lockor to swim at one point, and I remember saying it. Johnny can swim perfectly well. There's nothing wrong with swimming. He just gets like Vietnam flashbacks now when he's in the water. Yeah. And he thinks somebody's going to kick him. Hundred percent. See going on there. I've got a problem. If you if you remember, we went out a certain distance, and I basically said to the town, "We're going to go out to this point." But then once you're at that point, you have to get back. <laughs> so let's just fucking. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> just keep edging out, edging out, and edging out. And then once once you're here, well, you have to get back now, otherwise you're going to die. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You find, I think you find um, little bits of uh, kind of comfort within all these little points. And you go, well, okay, I have to get back now. Or, um, or, or you know, especially on these long distance things like the spine race that you've done. You know, there's certain points where you go, I kind of have to make it to a certain point. Or, you know, the arc, the arc you know, you, you have to get to a certain point because there's nobody coming for you. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? So on those on those races, there's uh, yeah, you're right. There's I mean, essentially they can come for you. I was talking on uh, the CHP podcast the other day. There's a little button that you can press that brings in fucking air rescue. <laughs> so you're never going to totally fuck. But yeah. who wants to be the guy that presses that little air rescue button and fucking brings the navy up because they couldn't run an extra mile? Well, I think I'll just fucking drag myself that extra mile, or I'll pull myself into this farmer's field and scream for a bit. That's what, <laughs> rather than getting. Well, the, I, maybe I, 
what I what I had said to people about the and the, obviously the, the arc's a lot harder than the, the, the ring of steel, well a lot further anyway in terms of you know, the distance, the, the climbing's awful. But people say you know I was saying I was fucking knackered, no water, no water, I had no food left, there's nobody there. And people say, hey, but what would happen if you were a real case emergency? You go well, you can phone mountain rescue and get me. What are you going to do? mountain rescue? Hello, I'm I'm awfully tired. Can you come and can you come and get me? Fuck this guy, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, it's embarrassing at that point. You just yeah. kind of have to keep making it to that. You know what I mean? You can you can get out. It's a bit embarrassing if you phone and say, I'm a wee bit tired. You know, it's like a fighter, you know, we've all had fights. You've never seen, you know, when have you ever seen a fighter sitting at the end of the round going, listen, are you okay? Do you want to continue? No. Then they always say, ah, I think I can just, I think I can get another round. And it's the keep same going. thing. You're just trying to keep posture moving forward. Yeah. There's an, the, with the mindset stuff, uh, th- there's distraction techniques as well that you can employ and that kind of thing when, when you're moving for long enough. So like uh, you were both saying, like I was saying there that, that, uh, about Josh Bridges, that one step in front of another, that runs rampant in, in almost anybody you read about that will talk, that they'll have one way or another of describing that same thing. Um, do you remember uh, Chris Ryan, the SAS guy, the second guy uh, to write a book after Bravo to Zero? His yeah. story is more fucking mental than, than, uh, than the... Andy McNabb one, where Chris Ryan ended up having to walk, I think it was 300 kilometres uh, across uh, into Syria. Um, <laughs> at one point, he thought he saw water, he ran out and souped all this water that was coming out of this factory and then realised it was a, a, a uranium factory. So he was, he was drinking uh, nuclear waste, essentially, off the floor. So he fucked himself even more. And the only way he got through that, it's just, the common theme in the book is just like... Uh, all he said was that he spotted a little clump of uh, uh, mud or whatever, and I'm getting as far as that. And when I get there, I'll, I'll map again. But it was like three foot, four foot markers. Yeah, yeah. But much less extreme than that on the uh, on the spine and things like that. And something that's worked really well, advice I'd give to people doing big ultras, is that if you start to get these ideas in your head, the, the thoughts can become secular and, and circular. You know, you, you end up with this idea, I can't do it. And you keep fucking talking to yourself about that idea. You're gonna, you're gonna fail. So one of the thing, one of the examples is people will say, "My fucking legs have gone. My legs have totally gone." And rather than thinking my legs have gone, they can think my legs are tired. So what I need to do now is focus on efficiency. So I'm gonna focus on my stride. I'm gonna count my steps within a 30 second time frame and make sure my cadence is good. I'm gonna do this and next thing. If you focus on the technique and, and the efficiency, you could probably find yourself 10, 15 minutes further away from that initial bad thought. The cycle of, of negativity is then kind of being worked out, and you're back to a place where you can kind of manage yourself in an easier way. So there's tricks and things involved in that, but uh, but it's hard, and it does boil down to trying to just get through one moment to the next to the next moment. Interestingly, uh, Big Gumpy Walker was talking about when he had his uh, rematch for the bare knuckle title. Um, he he was he was working with a sports uh, psychologist. And they were giving him little like keywords. If he's having a bad session, to think about keywords and think about things to turn it around and, and put a yeah. positive spin on things. He it is one of those things that he you know he said he got massive benefits from it. Really big benefits from a lot of big names have done that. Um, our, our, our local guy Gordon Brennan, he did uh, he he had the uh, I don't know if it was hypnosis, but he had some uh, uh, success with that as well. Just uh, little anchors and mindset things. I'm not sure how it worked out from, but presumably the. The coaching team were, were able to say a couple of words to him. I've cornered guys as well, uh, Ryan, um, Quinn, 
he would have key words that he wanted you to say to him. And it seemed ridiculous at the time. I can't remember what those words were. They were they were kind of obvious words like power and and I don't know, fucking glory or something like that. But he didn't want us to talk to him about specifics in the corner unless it was an absolute must. He just wanted to hear these key words. And I laterally found it because it seemed odd to me. I laterally found out it was because he'd um, he'd worked in a little bit of kind of meditation and hypnosis where these were anchors for him. And, you know, I I like all that. I don't know a huge amount about it. I know know how to kind of implement a lot of it, but you can go quite deep with that and do quite a lot of good. Probably quite a lot of harm as possible. One of the ones Gumpy was talking about was um, when he was feeling tired, as in fatigued, he had been uh, keyed to look for blue. And if he saw blue, that was like his energizer. And he oh, said, yeah. like, if he was in the gym hitting pads and was, as you say, like, arms are gassed, and, oh, I can't go anymore. He says he would just look around for something blue and it would give him that, you know, second wind, burst of adrenaline, you know, call it what you will, that let him continue on for that next, you know, five, ten minutes and then when I was... again and then boom, boom, keep triggering it. I don't know if uh, it's, 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 I was going to say this is personal. It's not dre- dreadfully personal, but it's, it's this is about me. But it's, it's the same thing. I don't know if I ever told you, Chris, that when I was doing the Keltman uh, and the cycle part of it, that during those parts where I started to give up, I had a little trigger f- that, that I developed during it that really fucking worked for me that I still use now. Uh, my mum had passed away two, two, three years before that, and it was hard for me. It was that was a hard loss. And uh, as it would be for anybody, but it's it's something I didn't, you know, still struggle with. And she had a, a a poem that she loved about the color purple that we actually read out at a funeral and things. And the color purple was to her, the the idea of of being an old lady and wearing purple was kind of irreverent. And she was saying, when I'm an old lady, I'll fucking wear purple and I'll dress in fucking stupid hats and I'll, I'll spit if I like and you can all fuck off. You know, that's what that poem was about, which is obviously something uh, kind of personal to us. So as we as I was cycling around. I saw a little clump of uh, uh, heather with, you know, the purple foliage on it. And, 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 I, and it had been barren for ages. And I saw that. And a little bit of me thought, ah, oh, they're my mammy, you know, and, and, and just, just a little bit of me just touching it, you know, in, in myself. And then I went barren again and then saw another little bit. And it, it jumped me up again. Hey, there's my mammy again. And then I found myself looking for purple. That's very interesting what you said. I've heard this before anyway, but it's interesting what you're saying about Gump because it's made me think of that. And I got through the rest of that cycle. Uh, I got through the run because Chris was my sport runner on it. So I had the distraction. I had company, essentially. But through the cycle, it, it was a very lonely kind of thing. Chris will be able to tell you that. Uh, but that little purple, all I was doing was looking mm-hmm. for the purple. When I saw the purple, I'm telling you, I could put more power down just for a few minutes. Yeah. And that's very interesting because, you know, it's just a fucking color, you know. <laughs> yeah. But to me, it was it was enough to invoke or, or, or to, to, to enliven something in me and make me feel even as simple as, well, my mommy would just tell me to fucking get get your fucking chin up and carry on. Stop being a stop being a fucking pussy. That's how she would have been about it. So, yeah, interesting. I like that. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. It was interesting to see. And as Gumpy had said, he wasn't really. I think like maybe the majority, or you know, cast aspersions, but a lot of people think, oh, sports psychology, it's all woo woo and bullshit, and it's not the hard science of biomechanics and physiology where. Yeah, you, know, you can set up a protocol of if you run for X time at this speed, this will happen. And psychology is, this might work for you or you might try this or you might try that. But there is definite, definite um, advantages to it. I know I've changed that. When I was at uni doing it, I thought it was all woo-woo and bullshit. And I've changed it as I've got older, realised that there is a lot to it. That Just because you can't measure it on a scale, there's definitely, definitely um, advantages to using it at the right Huge. time. I really believe so, yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you, do you remember when... Um, 
it was Steve Collins, wasn't it? They told Eubank that Eubank. he'd been hypnotised and he could he couldn't be beaten. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a fucking beast, wasn't he? Steve Collins, man, what a warrior he was. Steve Collins is one of those guys, man. Where if you actually watched them, I'm trying to think there's something more modern. Um, if you actually if you actually watched them, it wasn't particular didn't do anything amazing it was just a hard and game and fit yeah. and always in your face a hard hard man and obviously obviously better you know you know he was a world champion so it wasn't like he was bad but he just wasn't yeah. flashy you know it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like a kawasaki or a u-bank or anything like that. he was just tough consistent yeah. just a great fighter a really really good fighter a really hard yeah, solid fighter uh, good good fighter um sorry talking about fighters what um What's what's what you are you go are you going to do some more jiu-jitsu competitions? Are we get back to Naga eventually? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I mean, I had focused. This this the fucking thing. This pandemic's killed us all, hasn't it? But I had uh, focused. So I had been doing all the ultra endurance stuff, uh, and I'd been working real hard on 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 a lot of things like that. And uh, there's a lot of training goes into some of the things I was doing. And it took me away from jiu-jitsu and I'd been kind of hovering on the sidelines and, you know, I'll, I'll roll, but I don't want to roll today because my fucking knee's agony because it, it's it's fucked anyway. And I just ran, you know, 40 miles last night or whatever. So everything kind of took me away from it. And actually, interestingly enough, going back to um, what we're saying about doing something for your love of it and the passion of it, I started to get really kind of, I've, I've got it back now, I think, but I started to uh, get, I kept saying to Chris, I've kind of lost my boner for these things, you know. And I had done it. was just like, why am I fucking doing this? I can't be arsed with it. And I was still putting in the hours and just no love for it. I went back to jiu-jitsu and absolutely fucking loved it. Dan came over, as you, as you both know, and we had some good times there. And it kind of spurred me on to push. Uh, Chris and I attended a couple of competitions together. And, you know, we through that time got better. And that had been like kind of sitting right in my goals down, which I do every now and again. Jiu-jitsu competitions and, and getting to be better jiu-jitsu was top of my list, you know. I've got a few other things that are, that are really pushing to the forefront now, but that was top of the list. And then then fucking went on lockdown and nobody can do jiu-jitsu at all. You're like, what the fuck? So, so I've kind of realigned what I was doing before and just, just enough to kind of push me through and keep me motivated through this. But yeah, definitely, man. I definitely want to definitely want to keep competing at jiu-jitsu. I mean, I'm not very good. Uh, I, I dare say all three of us would would uh, like to think we are, but at blue belt level, you, you're so so much more yeah. to learn. And uh, and and you you're good in a moment. You may be good uh, with, with certain people and all the rest of it. But if you've been to a competition, you know you can be found out as well. You know, and I, I love the idea of just slowly fucking removing those mistakes and, or, or adding some skills and all the rest of it. And if you look at the big long game. It's you know you'd be a long time getting your black belt, so why not just sit down and enjoy it? I look at it a lot like yeah. uh, skating as well, is that, and you guys will agree with this hundred percent. I know you will. Is is the community aspect? Um, you can go yeah. for a roll. You could just do two rolls. You might be just having a day. I just want to go in, just get a couple of nice light rolls, and then you can be moving with people and just. And really, it's just about being around folk, you know. And then you can just lay on the mats and talk and get the crack and all the rest of it. And you, be, you feel like I don't see any other in my life anyway, any other outlet where I feel like I'm among people that are my people, and it's, it's a little bit like monkeys rolling about well, fucking uh, uh, on, outside the trees, you know. It's it's very human, you know. Well, I know I know for a fact that you I know for a fact that you feel the same way when you go to these um, some of the small triathlons that I've done are nice, friendly. Um, most of the bigger ones, uh, same with the more serious kind of you know, the sky racing stuff, it's all very serious. And you, you sit there and go, "You, these are not my fucking people. I don't like, you know, I don't particularly like any of them. You know what I mean? You do these yeah. ultra, ultra stuff, and 
you know, they're all very serious. It's all, you know, when you go to fight, you know, you go to, you know, I've been asked so many times to uh, to join local triathlon clubs. You're like, I don't fucking want to join your triathlon club or your running club. Fuck off. I, I want to, I want most, to be surrounded by fighters. Yeah. Well, I think for the most part, what happens with that is twofold, isn't it? When, you, when you're dealing with uh, ultra runners and, and triathletes and all the rest of it, uh, the, the, it's a singular pursuit. It's for it's you doing a thing for you, you know. So, so getting in, you don't really. I mean, you can spur each other on, I suppose, but you've got to do the training for you to get that out. Now, I know that clearly, jujitsu, you want to win that fight. You want to you want you want to come out that role best. But even if you're training for a fight specifically, it, when you're in the gym and you're training with your sparring partners and you're training with your your your, uh, ju, you know, your role with your jujitsu partners and all the rest of it. Each role is giving and taking, so you can connect with that human being in a very different way. And if they catch you two, three times, and this is where I see it like skateboarding, if you and me are out skating alley, let's say you're a far superior skater to me and you're fucking doing all these kick flips and fucking all, all kinds of fancy shit all, all over the place, and I haven't even got a proper ollie down yet, when I get the ollie and I get it real neat and, and crisp and I pop up onto a curb or something, you're jumping out your skin as well. Everybody's going, yes, getting dead and excited. And although there's maybe not that kind of bravado, perhaps, uh, or, or that same reaction, when you and me roll, or, or when Chris and I roll, and you spin round and you can see, feel like your, your, your mechanism was good there, you catch the arm, you've got the Kimura in, and you turn the, turn the choke or whatever you've done, uh, and it's crisp. Guaranteed, if I do that to you, one of the first things you're going to do is go, fuck's sake, man, that was cool as fuck. How did you do it? What did you do? And, and everybody's dead excited for each other. And that's that's something that I don't think, with all the best will in the world, as being as respectful as I can towards triathletes and ultramarathoners, I don't think that there's a connection within that sport. Yeah. It's the same as yeah, ours. That, that makes sense. You know, there's no sense, way of yeah. kind of giving what you've got. I mean, you're not going to go, brilliant, you've got the top of that hell faster than me. Explain your power, you know, because you know how they did it. They're better than you, you know. So, you know, but... It's also the, the only way you can get better at jiu-jitsu as well is by being social. You can't get better by yourself. You have to be awesome, able yeah. to roll with other people. And if you're a complete asshole, you're not going to have anyone roll with you. So it kind of so almost you, acts as its own self-filter, apart from Chris, obviously. But uh, how, how, how do you how do you get rolls in? I mean, you're ginger and you're an asshole. So who, who? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I, yeah, that's that proves my point, doesn't it? Proves my point. What a great community it is. Do you know what I mean? Well, except even. Ali gets all the all the petty rolls under the sun. But it's true because I mean I've not although I've not competed because of my work and I travel, um I've got gyms down in England that I just got in touch with and said, Look, I'm down here for work for like a week. Any chance I can drop into a couple of classes? And without fail, every single person's came back and said, Absolutely, here's the timetable. Just jump in. And you kind of go down not knowing what's the class, and then at the end, as we all know, at the end of a class, right, we're going to go live. And yeah. someone will just go, fancy a roll, mate? And you go, yeah, and slap and bump and off you go. And then, as you say, three minutes later, you're you're sat about chatting with them. So Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant exchange. I think sure, I, don't, I don't see another uh, sport. I mean, there's a, bit, a bias here, obviously, for all three of us, because it's something we're really into. But I don't see another sport where you can where you can do that. good example was Mark, we had him on here. For me, out at a higher level, I was having a roll with him. I told you this, Chris, I think. I was having a roll with him anyway, and uh, here I am sat, and he stood, and he's, he's moving back and forth. Very dynamic guy, as you know. And all of a sudden, he's fucking jumped over me, cartwheeled over me, 
chin strapped me on the way past, spun around and fucking really could choke me. Or whatever. I don't even know how the, where the, how the choke went in. And you would think that logic would tell you, this dude's just more or less killed me. He's, 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 he's beaten me. That you'd be a bit pissed off. But I was so fucking excited by it. I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? And he says, you know, I've been, I've been doing that a lot recently, but you just gave me the perfect, it was just the way you kind of sat back, it was the perfect angle from the jump over. And I thought about that for hours afterwards, the way I sat back, what did I give him then? And he told me at the time, and I couldn't, you know, don't have the jiu-jitsu intelligence he has uh, as yet, hopefully, but, you know, it's just that little kind of bit where you could go away pissed. If you're going to go away pissed off, you got choked, it's not a fucking sport for you. But for me, I was, and I'm still thinking about it now, still excited, you can tell talking about it, the way a guy killed me one time, you know, it's like, what, hmm. what else, where else are you going to get that? They don't, um, they don't, it never happened, it in certain occasions it did, but in boxing, that, that kind of stuff never happened. Nobody would say, I cracked you with this, and this is what I did to do it, they just kind of go, well, you have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody, nobody would ever tell you that kind of stuff. Certain people did, but very rarely. Uh, that's, you know, one of the differences. Um, yeah, different environment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're lucky to have you know guys like Mop round about us. You know, there's a few guys at a higher level. I need to get out. Well, good thing is once we get out of lockdown and we're allowed to train again, I'll probably make a point of getting out to Mop's place and a higher level more regularly. Yeah, just, yeah. just have fun. Just go and have fun with some things because you know, there's, when, I don't know when we're going to go, out, but you know, certainly there'll be a huge desire to get out there and get around about and train with different guys and, and have some that, fun. That's the key there as well. Have some fun. You know, that, that was the other thing that, that my, if you look at me doing jiu-jitsu now versus there was a big break and then me doing jiu-jitsu before, I, I didn't have fun to start with with jiu-jitsu. I was kind of in a, in a headspace where I, where I did want to win all the time. I got really fucking frustrated that I wasn't good at it. And, you know, even good friends like Dan uh, would catch me and instead of, asking those questions I'm like next time just next time in my mind no full well there's no fucking way I'm going to beat Dan he's like 16 stages ahead of me and presumably always will be you know but at the same time I've then come back to it with this kind of maybe just a maturity that's developed over time maybe lessons I've learned from the things I've been doing or maybe just you know being a dad now or whatever I've look, looked at jiu-jitsu now is just go in and have fun and I'm going out to higher level, as you know, and, and that's there's no easy roles out there, and, and I'm getting moored almost every time, uh, and, and I come home buzzing, excited, you know, which makes yeah. me happier around the house, and, you know, everybody, everybody wins, so, yeah, I can't wait till it all comes back to this thing. It's, uh, to, uh, feels like it's a long yeah. time, isn't it? Yeah, it does. I need to get out to higher level. There's a few guys out there that, you know, saying this to Mop, you know, obviously Mop's out there, he's a cool guy, and Steve is a cool guy, uh, Neil... Neil Pollock's a cool guy, you know, really, really good guy, really cool guy, very, very helpful. You know, there's a few of them, you know, Danny, Danny Gray's is the same as a uh, nice guy, really nice guy, helpful. So, there's a lot of guys out there, yeah. we need to get to, yeah, yeah, and, and submission Sundays at, at Mox Place as well, get out there and train. Um, actually, we said, I think we both said that we we're going to go down and train with, to, with Barry down in uh, Sunderland, yeah. said we'd both go down there and do some stuff. Getting so fucking sampled on your head. Getting sampled on my head, eh? Um, and I said I, I also did say I would go down and do some sparring with, with a Gumpy um, go and do some sparring just because it's fun why fucking wouldn't you <laughs> do you know what I mean why would you not go Ali, do you I, was, I don't know if it's, is Ali good um, he's just yeah. uh, okay, there's, there's got, no um, change on you at all you, 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 you're right, no. just frozen there I've um, I've got to, I need to watch my time start I've got to go pick up my squat rack and Olympic bar and stuff Sometime after one o'clock, so cool. I'm going to get that. Oh, I mean, gonna, we've done I'm a solid. 
done us all down a port here anyway, guys. Yeah, so. See, we've been on for a while. We can, uh, we can wrap up unless you guys have got yeah. anything well, else we've you got, want to um, ask. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get you back on with Fergus. We'll have the two yeah. on together. Once Fergus gets a, a, a good internet connection, maybe next weekend or just even, even one night, whatever suits you. Um, and we'll get you back on there and we can talk more in depth about Fergus's stuff and what, how you've been programming it and all kind of stuff. Um, be quite yeah, interesting. Good but, chat. Um, but aye. Hi, do you? you want to stop recording, Ali? Aye, stop recording. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you very much.